Hello, hello. You're listening to For the Girls, Gays and Days, the podcast where two friends process their emotions concerning pop culture of note to the acronymed community. From film to television, music and more, we're here to tell you what caught our queer eyes this week. I'm Colt, he, him. I'm Alex, they, them. Welcome. Welcome to it, my lovelies. This week, we're talking the final season of Sex Education, the premiere of RuPaul's Drag Race UK Series 5, Whatever the Opposite of a Demon Twink is, with Troy Sivan, and Multiversal Literature, with Lauren Bjorkis' Bridge. To kick things off, category is television. Alex, what we've been watching? Okay, girls, gays and days. I need you to grab a tissue box. We're off to the last time for the final season of Sex Education. It is another catch. Yeah, RIP. We're catching up with Maeve, Otis, Eric, and the gang. Some of the gang are missing. Um, yeah. You know what? That's okay. What What's happened this season is uh, Mordell has been shut down. And select members of the crew that we all know and love have moved over to Cavendish. Cavendish is what I would describe as queer heaven. On first arrival, you're surrounded by people that you know are just fruity. And it's lovely. But once Otis and Eric especially start to immerse themselves into the world and Ruby starts to really not fit in, we start to see the... The slight team was in the group. And that's sort of where this season kicks off and we we get to know what the characters are trying to do with their lives as they reach the last stage of their schooling, sort of the last go with their sixth education, um, at least at school. Um, and it was perfect. It was. I wouldn't say perfect. I would say there are... It's quite flawed. Like I think there's there there are sort of stumbles. I think in the storytelling this season, but <laughs> it, it was very moving. Yes. It was it it elicited very strong emotional responses. I will say that, <laughs> and most of them were good. Some of them were confusion, but most of them were like this is this is beautiful. You know what it was, is it just gave me the last taste of what I would say is one of my favorite characters on TV ever, Eric Affagol. Um, And he is just, I think, one of my favorite people that I've seen on screen, just for a number of yeah. reasons. The performance, definitely chief among them. Like, I think... You can't even put into words how great of an actor you're seeing, sort of at the start of everything um, yeah. and realizing their powers. But what I also loved about that character was just how it, how the character arc really shows the growth in writing, um, the growth in the structure of the show. And yeah. I just really enjoyed it. And I know it wasn't perfect for a number of reasons, but did I love it? Yes. Um, Which being, we now see ghosts and have visions, apparently. I, that was something new. 
I turned to my wife and said, does he need a wellness check? Yeah. <laughs> is, is this what this is? Or is it just like them trying to personify the feeling that somebody has using Joni Turner-Smith? Which makes sense because if you want to see personification, you want Jodie Turner-Smith. Um, if someone has to be God, I mean, it might as well. Yeah, might as well be Because that is how I imagine God to be. <laughs> if God exists, they better fucking look like one of the most gorgeous women on the face of the earth. And yeah, that was, so here's the thing, like. I like the thematic nature of, of Eric's story this season and the sort of thing of, of coming to terms with. You, 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 that is the thing. Yeah. His queerness <laughs> and with Christianity and, and how he can sort of uh, explore both. Ooh. Some of us reached that fork in the road and and did not did not continue down that road. Let's say Eric clearly does and like his own words. So, I mean, that was all very interesting thematically, and him really? sort of exploring the nature of his friendship with Otis and sort of being like, yeah, we do have a lot of differences. We have more differences than we have similarities, and I loved seeing him being able to explore and being able to form his own queer friend group. I thought that was really lovely with his story. So yeah, a lot of it worked. Didn't love the visions. The one like dream scene, I was like, okay, this is really cool. And then it was like, okay, he's now like this weird like messiah figure. I don't know. The dream scene was really funny. And then him in all white, like. We took me a step too far. No, but here's the thing that I loved. And I don't know if you watched it like many years ago, but it was the show called Joan of Arcadia. Oh yeah, of course. Which, um, and I just like it opens up so many questions about about what faith is and how a person sort of not rectifies but uh, sort of compromises. Do you compromise a part of yourself to be a part yeah. of this that's bigger than you? Because it does end up filling this thing that you this hole that you feel like you have. Or do you end up trying to make your own? Uh, world of it. I mean, there was a point where I was thinking of becoming a nun and I was very religious and I was in church band and I did all these things and I'm confirmed and uh-huh. same and I, girl. Yeah. I sort of signed on for it. Uh, but, so I, I did find it interesting at a point I did kind of, but that has like grown me. If it makes sense, if I was like 18 or 19 and that was and I was watching this, I'd be so grateful yeah. somebody was talking about it in that way because it is, yeah. I didn't have visions, but like, you know, it is kind of a moment that you have. So my sure that is very much not with the storytelling. It is with the sort of format of it. Like it felt like this whole season in general, I will say felt very different from the previous seasons. Yeah. Yeah. Very like, different, totally very different structurally. Yeah. And, and a lot of it worked for me. A lot of it did. There was a lot of storylines in this that I really loved. Like Amy is truly a delight. I think she's one of, again, one of the best characters on television. Um, Her sort of thing of finding her artistic voice and and all of that was really interesting. I thought the stuff with Adam and his dad was very well done and absolutely heartbreaking and heartwarming, I suppose. But I don't know. It's there's very sort of bittersweet emotions around that. Um, yeah. as it people was complicated, for complicated, sure. yeah, complicated. Um, yeah, dads. Yes, anyway, I did, I did it. And then yeah. I love the new, I love the new cast members, the sort of like queer, diverse characters that were introduced this season. Yeah. I 
I thought that was lovely. I think a lot of people on the internet have not loved their inclusion in this season. A lot of people have sort of said that it sort of it detracts from the characters we've known for three seasons. And a lot of people thought they were sort of very sort of like wooden caricatures, maybe. I personally I thought they were very well fleshed out. I thought they were really interesting and added really interesting dynamics to the characters we know and love. Obviously, yeah. I already mentioned the the sort of the way we get to see Eric surrounded by a group of his peers and how he that sort of frees him hugely. Yeah. yeah. The way it's able to sort of expand Cal's storyline a lot with yeah. with having other trans people to to go to for advice and yeah. for comfort. I thought they were really interesting at additions. Um they were dressed like crazy people, but you know, that is Gen Z on that. Um, Where is the line? You, but like, I they were very it. over the top, but like, I'm into it. But uh, so two things there, and I appreciate that everybody will have their takeaways there and assume that portraying gay people on TV is an easy thing, which is, I guess, an opinion to have. But the the two things I would say to that is, number one, I know all of those gay people. I've been friends with all of those gay people. Yeah, very much. It's yeah. just messy and over the top. Yeah. I want them to be, and it's great that they yeah. are. I yeah. wanted to be friends. Oh, with I agree. People, yeah. But I would be, but I don't. And number two, it's it's TV, so you're trying to like heighten everything because yeah. there's no way that all of those things usually happen in one week to a person. No. It's like you only have this long and you have yeah. this much time and you're yeah. trying to tell the story. Yeah. So I, I personally really enjoyed it. I get that it's not for everybody, but it's definitely for me. Yeah, yeah. And obviously, like, <laughs> sort of Otis is supposed to be the main character. It's my least favorite part of the show <laughs> and its current iteration, <laughs> this current season. Yeah. He is the character when he comes up on screen, it's like, okay, can we, uh, can we move this along? Like, let's, next, next <laughs> scene, next scene, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a shame that he's sort of like Maeve is unfortunately tied to him a lot in this season. But she loves it, unfortunately. She has really interesting stuff going on. God, that yeah. poor girl's been through it. The whole sort of funeral scene of it all was just really, really sad. And the yeah, whole situation yeah. and, and the way she sort of deals with her mother's death and the sort of sitting, finishing the crossword. And it's all just really, really, really well done. It was really relatable because I think especially with death people, death and funerals and everything, people think there's a specific, specific way to be and a specific way to handle it. Like you just yeah. turn into a robot. And for me, I don't like, I do sort of disassociate and have a minute to mm. kind of assist my feelings. And mm. it just felt so relatable, you know, her and Adam, I really, their relationships with their family, I think. Yeah really gave me something to relate to and think, I mean, I wish everybody had the relationships that some of the other characters have with their parents, but the reality is and, and it's an interesting juxtaposition between the two of them, between Maeve and her mother and between Adam and his father. You've got Adam and his yeah. father, who it's, it's a situation where they're able to reconcile a really complicated relationship. Yeah. And then you have Maeve and her mother where they, they weren't really able to recon reconcile a really difficult relationship and having to mourn the loss of that, even though you have a parental figure that is very complicated, but they're still not there anymore. I think that was really 
really masterfully done. And again, the, the juxtaposition of the different parental figures of then having other parental figures that are absolutely completely all in and there and supportive, like Ruby's dad is, is, is one. I think their relationship is very sweet. As much as Otis fucking hates his mother, I'm fully on Gene Wilbold's side of this. Like, yeah, I'm just like, girl, grow the fuck up. Anyway. <laughs> Again, he's supposed to be a teenager, so I'm like, I, 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 I get it, but like, yeah. Oh, this is the reason I will not have children. What the fuck is wrong with that boy sometimes? But I mean, Gene is, is very much a mess, and the whole thing, of, again, tells yeah. a really good story about, like, it's that thing that, that I relate to a lot of, like, being a Virgo that gives very good advice, but does not take my own advice. <laughs> that was really great. So, yeah, when I went, when I said that there were problems, for me, I think there was there was more that this season did right than wrong. And I wouldn't even say wrong, I just would say different. That was my sort of feeling of it. I didn't feel like they did anything wrong this season. I just felt like they they really, we really turned a wheel and it felt really different in a lot of ways. But ultimately, I thought successful. I think the last thing I want to say about it, because I could talk about it for like seven uh, yeah. months. Um, but the last thing I want to touch on is just the abuse storyline and sort of how, yeah. um, you know, Jillian Anderson's character is formed through um, her childhood and how yeah. she's tried to face it head on, but how it still comes up because, you know, there was abuse in the home, there was a neglectful yeah. parent, there was yeah. um, all these things and like, I think it's a really great thing to understand, especially when you, you know, compare it to the characters that we're saying goodbye to, the teenage characters. Yeah. And sort of understand that a lot of them have reached breakthroughs and had these moments, but it's not necessarily the end of it. You yeah. could be 50 or 60 and have another depressive episode and have to yeah. unpack everything again and yeah. sort of maybe, you know, if you do have the opportunity to unpack it with your siblings, I'm sure that's a wonderful thing, but sometimes you just have to kind of sit with it and understand that you're still going through it and there are triggers that you've experienced now that are bringing it up again and you're using your defensive mechanisms that you've used in the past. And I think that was really well done. Yeah. Uh, uh, I, I just didn't understand uh, why everyone didn't get on their knees and praise uh, just, yeah, the woman. I, she just. Oh, and I feel like I also have to say, like Hannah Gatsby being a recurring <laughs> character in the season was completely unexpected and delightful. Oh, yeah, the whole chili oil of it all <laughs> it was oh, just. Well, yeah, I did not. Ex that was not on my bingo card for what I would see on TV this year. No, but I'm, I'm very grateful I did. It's who I want to be. Like that is who. But <laughs> um, minus the child who walks in. Yeah, that was like what? Yeah. Was this a each to the run? I suppose. Yeah. My favorite scene with Eric. Um, my favorite scene with Otis. Sorry, was when uh, he was jumping in the bins and we could just ignore him and he could like <laughs> the background and struggle with us. And we were two two characters we really enjoyed. <laughs> That yeah. was my favorite Otis of the last episode. <laughs> anyway, we sh shall move on. Otherwise, this yeah. will take up the entire podcast. But we're going to move on now to our next piece of television with RuPaul's Drag Race UK Series 5. Uh, the show is back for its fifth season of the, of the spinoff that I think... Personally, I think Drag Race UK has put out some of the best content in the Drag Race franchise in a little minute. Um, I thought this was a fun premiere. 
I think that we have a lot of really interesting cast members, very English once again, sadly. Throughout the entirety of the five series, we've had two Northern Irish queens and two Scottish queens. The last time we saw a Scottish queen was in season two. <laughs> so that's disappointing. But apart from that, and there's there's other controversies with the cast that we will get to, but first I want to talk about the premiere itself. It deviated a little bit from the format that we sort of come to expect from the UK version. In previous seasons, we very much had like a little mini challenge photo shoot. And then we've had the sort of runways that include a sort of like hometown look and some other thematic sort of British look for the runway. We've deviated away from that with the season and we've got RuPaul calls it a ball. Basically it's the run, it's like the catwalk mini challenge that we've seen on some of the American seasons and then showing a really good look, one of those signature looks on the runway. I mean, the episode works, the pacing's really good. We get a lot of good character moments. We get a lot of great looks. We get some sort of appearances by some sort of fan favorite international characters on the show, which is good to see. And then of course, it's it's revealed that this is a non-elimination episode, well, which in general, you and I are not fans of non-elimination episodes. <laughs> but I think, it, I think it works for the premiere episode. I think that's fine. I think if you're going to do a non-elim, do it in the first episode because it's that thing of you're introduced yeah, we don't to all these people. Yeah. And you give every queen the opportunity to showcase at least two things, you know, and that's, that's great. So, you know, I'm not going to complain if it didn't detract from the episode for me. I thought it was great. I thought the top two made sense. I think the person who ended up winning the lip sync probably wouldn't have won if it was just, we're picking, if RuPaul was just picking one winner, I think the other person might've won in that situation. And I would say that the other person was probably one of my favorites of the season. Yeah. But yeah, I think the sort of reasoning behind this premiere episode being on elimination episode is the rumor mill would suggest that this was originally a 12 queen season. Oh. Uh, now, if you tuned into the episode, you would see that there were 10 queens presented. Uh, yeah. The, the rumor goes that there was a last minute dropout and then a queen was disqualified. How do you get disqualified? It, you may remember in season 12 of RuPaul's Drag Race US, there was a queen oh. who I find did get disqualified. Yeah. Unfortunately, it was after filming had completed and said queen had made it into the top four and, and was a front boost. runner to win the entire competition. Yeah. Um, so that queen ended up being disqualified and was not completely cut out of episodes because, of course, she won many episodes. So it, it wouldn't have been possible to do so. But she was cut out as much as was possible. You had no confessionals. You didn't really see her interact with anyone in the workroom. You, kind of you saw the the like <laughs> what she did in the episode. Sometimes you saw her runway, sometimes you didn't. But yes, allegedly there was a queen on this season that similar allegations came out of sexual misconduct. I think in the, in the case of this queen, it was groping and some actual assaults came forward. But during production, so allegedly Sorry, this information what? came to the producer's attention two episodes into production. Two episodes had been filmed with this queen. So the so the Reddit rumor mill goes anyway. Two episodes were filmed. These allegations came out. That queen was then disqualified. 
And then I think given the nature of the challenges in the first two episodes, they made the decision to edit her out of the episodes rather than doing what they did with um, the queen who will not be named from season 12 of the US season. So because the first episode was a runway challenge, it's not an acting challenge, she's not really interacting with the group, they were able to cut her out. And again, given what next week's episode is, which again is another design challenge, presumably again, easier to cut her out. But if you've seen the episode, you will notice certainly around the sort of introduction of the queens that after a certain point, when the queens are entering the workroom, you don't really see group shots of like the whole table of queens waiting. We then get a lot of close-ups. When Rue enters the workroom, you know you normally get the lineup of the queens. There's no full lineup. You've got close-ups of queens. And if you're really eagle-eyed, you start seeing sort of hand here and there, a bit of a wig. In like a nail color you haven't seen from someone it's entering the workroom. It's not, it's not funny, but just a little periphery. Yeah. Just, and they, to the editor's credits, they did magic with this. <laughs> it is, you have to be so eagle-eyed. You have to go through frame by frame to pick up a lot of this. <laughs> the most notable, I think, where you really sort of see it is, I think, when it comes to the final lip sync, where obviously all the queens are lined up at the back. Most of the time, this queen is, is you don't see her face ever but you see the outline of a blonde wig of someone who that wig never walked the runway, but it's there. So this is how we know that there, there was an 11th queen. She was present for filming. She did get disqualified. I think I found one frame in the entire episode, like a couple of frames where you see this contestant, but for the most part, the editors did marvelous work. And honestly, they should be applauded for being able oh. to, to cut that queen out as much as they did. A lot of people have complained that they really should have addressed it instead of just being like, no, she's disqualified. It never, she never happened. There's been no statement issued by Drag Race. No official statement. Really bad? Like. So I'm like, by all means, yes, cut her out. That is the right thing to do. But to not address it in any way when they announce the cast, not to be like, there was another queen. She has been disqualified. We will not be giving, we will not be promoting her given the allegations against it. Nothing like that. Obviously with Drag Race um, season 12 of the US franchise, they put a disclaimer at the top of episodes because it was, I couldn't remove her at all completely. Um, so they put a disclaimer, but obviously this episode was not able to do that. But that has been a really big talking point. I think it perhaps became even more of a talking point because it's not been addressed by World of Wonder or by the BBC. Well, so people are left to, to sort of scooby-doo the situation and, and like the look for clues. BBC and sexual, alleged sexual predators. Yeah. They don't have the and, best and <laughs> To be fair, I also understand a non sort of like BBC creepy way of, of being of, we really do not need as a, as a queer movement to have any drag queens with any kind of allegations get press. We don't yeah. need that. So it's a, it's a tricky time right now in the UK, unfortunately. Yeah. Well, globally, honestly, let's, let's but be real. U I mean, the UK is quite, I think because it's not the US, but you know. All right. All right. So the two <laughs> biggest voices in the global hegemony of media yeah. both have very strong anti-queer uh, movements in them. And yeah. 
you know, funny. an anti drag and anti sort of trans and yeah, it's very anti trans. Um, no, so I had to talk about it because it is juicy and it is interesting. Thank you so much, Miss Marple. Like, I fucking but, love you. Like, you are, but I do want to, I do want to sort of move it back to the episode and be like, and, and send to the queens who are there who didn't commit any offenses, who were not yeah. disqualified. I think, yeah, my three faves at the end of this episode of Caramel. Yeah. Stunning, gorgeous, incredibly talented. Michael Moroli, who is very sort of camp and sort of older, more seasoned, rather, has the more sort of British camp drag feel to her. And then my my third, like I, I like to do top threes, but I think like my third, I'm 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 undecided between someone like Dee Delicious being Crystal Versace's drag sister. I think she's sort of got a lot more humor and and wit than Crystal Versace had. Christopher Sashi, of course, very famously um, lacked a personality. Mm. Um, I think that's like a statement to say. God would that one? Yeah, mm. yeah. And then we also have like Alexis St. Pete this season would also be in contention for my third slot in terms of favorites, who she's a Polish queen who lives in London. Beautiful looks, very sort of dominatrix forward, very sexy, very insecure, a very insecure queen. There's a lot of there's Beautiful a lot of downs to this poor woman. Inner demons. There's a lot of inner demons, and and her inner saboteur is going to make make RuPaul absolutely sopping wet. Yeah, um, we we have to at least one episode where yeah. we have given mentions of inner saboteur. Yeah, were you able to watch the episode? Do you have thoughts? I wasn't. So I woke up to um, a squirrel cutting off my electricity. So <laughs> I wasn't able to watch it. Um, but that's okay. Um, R.I.P. to that squirrel. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we moved. I'm going to watch it later. It's Bobby. It's fine. <laughs> I love having no electricity or internet. <laughs> it's fine. In that case, we shall move straight along then. Yeah. So, um, and the category is music. Yeah. Alex, what are we listening to? How all right, ladies and gentle things. We have Mr. Troy Savard himself, what somebody at the top of this episode called the opposite of a demon twig, which I think <laughs> just so great. Am I wrong? Um, Did I lie? <laughs> no. Mr. Savard, who I think was born in Joburg, if you don't know him, uh, started in a film called Spud, really became famous from that, moved on to making um, some appearances as an actor, but then really cut their teeth singer, really great uh, records, uh, Blue Neighborhoods, one of my favorites that I loved. Um, he's back, and a few weeks ago, um, he released Rush. Which, which we spoke about on the pod. Which we touched on, yeah. And now he's back again was what I would call one of my favorite songs that he's ever done. It's called Get Me Started. And it is just brilliant. So I'll start with the music video, which I think we everyone should oh, start. That uh, music video is so good, Alex. Oh, so good. So good. Um, and I really, what I really appreciate about it is, is that, Troy is not a doctor by nature. As I've touched on, he's an actor. He serves looks, very handsome, all these things, great with interior design, not a dancer. But he decided, fuck it. I'll put my whole pussy into this. He's and like, I will become a dancer. 
He fought for his life from the start of this music video till the end. They tried to put him in corners. They tried to move him around. No, the bitch wanted to to get there. Running down the street. She she was going. Running down that street. Forget the hill. He's running up that street. (laughs) Running up that street. It's the gay cut. No, but um, I I loved it. Um, And I just loved the formic references. So he references um, a very famous... In gay movie, and my favorite reference is actually from the dancing. So he has these two choreographers whose names I'm not going to try because I don't want to get canceled on the internet. They're very popular because they're very handsome and very talented too, but they're hot. Anyway, so he told them, he watched the Michael Jackson, Janet Jackson screen video, and he really loved it. And a lot of the choreography, you can see the references to it. Um, and it's just such sexy sort of queering of of dance, which is so often masculine, especially yeah. when it comes to sort of Euro pop and Euro it's it's sort of you have to be this big, muscly kind of oh, dancer. Yeah. yeah. But with him he he queers it in a way that is so hot to me and so interesting. Very, like- it's it's this weird combination of really fluid movements, but with yeah. structure, if that makes yeah. sense. It's so yeah. contradictory, but it really works. I love it. And I love the like the little links up link ups they give us like in the rush music video with the arms linked. Yeah. That's my brain. In this music and with video- this video, also there was a lot of um filmic references that I've seen people talk about. A lot of filmic yeah. reference to like Wonka Y films. Um yeah. Which I haven't, I haven't watched, but I know that a lot of film nerds were really, really excited like about. Yeah, it made me want to watch I the know. films. I've only seen the gay edits because that's my life. I see the gay. That is our FIPs, yeah, yeah, and that is TikTok too. It kind of makes you feel like you've seen stuff that you haven't necessarily seen because you've seen like three minutes of a movie, and so it made me really want to watch it and teach my girl or something. But like. I I just I love the song. Um, it's one of the rare samples of it that you'll get, and it's just yeah. it is so 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 yeah. good. The sampling, it's it's been talked about a lot, but like the the sampling, it, what is the? So it samples the Bear Greater song "Shooting Stars." Yeah, which they sort of notably said that they have yeah. refused to give to many people. They said they've had many 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 requests to use it as a sample, but they decided to give it to Troy and they basically told him, don't fuck it up. Um, and I don't think he has. A lot of people have said that like the, the sample is very unexpected. Mm. I think a lot of people are like, I don't know if this works, what? but I'm vibing. I, I, I love it. I'm like, I like it. I think it, it works. It works with lyrically and also like meme, memically the way the song has sort of been used of like the, um, people just flying off into places very much links into such sort of the lyrics of the songs of, of this song as well. So it's true. And, like, and in the music video, they literally fucking launch that boy up the side of a building. Like it's as you should. That's right. Yeah, I think stars. Troy did like a tweet or a TikTok where he talked about, yeah, they fully just yeeted him up the side of a building. Yeah. Yes, they should. He weighs like what twenty kilograms soaking weight. It, it was not difficult. They were, they did not require a lot of counter. No one tried. Like, yeah, they put him on just the like, They just said okay. Someone so just sneezed really hard, and he just yeah. off he went. <laughs> um, but he interesting for me. Like his brain is just interesting for me. Like mm. he was talking about 
uh, came from, yeah, this great, beautiful relationship that just fell to shit and he had a horrible breakup. And then he was in like a hookup phase and he'd had a hookup and the hookup wanted to stay the night and Troy was sort of pretend to be boyfriends with you. All we did, you know, I wasn't trying to be your boyfriend. And then the hookup was like, well, it's one of the best parts about hooking up with people. Like you get to cuddle them. And he said, it actually was really great to cuddle, um, which not everyone agrees is true. I don't think I've ever done it, um, but I imagine. People's, people's aversion to calling something a relationship is that needs to be studied. <laughs> it needs to be studied. Yeah. <laughs> but that is a topic for another podcast. We forget we very much lost in the weeds if, if we did dive that like, one. Do your quiet sigh and then your voice drops three octaves and you're like, people. (laughs) 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 On that note, let's move on to our final category of the episode. Mm -hmm. Category is... Yes. Literature. It's been a minute since we recommended a book. Um, We've been slacking. We've not been reading. Uh, But I I have been reading now. um, And I present to you... You always reading, girl. Bridge. Oh, yes. your cover artwork is so nice. You see, I prefer the US edition slightly, but anyway, um, Bridge is the latest novel from uh, South African novelist Lauren Bierkus, um, mm-hmm. who is frankly one of my favorite authors. Uh, I think her first three novels, being Moxieland, Zoo City, and The Shining Girls, are 10 out of 10 novels for me. I started reading. Her, her novels with Zoo City, and it is it is my favorite. I think I would say Zoo City is probably in my top top five favorite books of all time. I love that book deeply. Her last novel um, was not my favorite. Uh, Afterland was not my favorite. I really? thought it had a, a really interesting premise that I think really? was not used to the to its fullest potential, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the story meandered a lot um, and didn't necessarily end in a very, what's the word I'm looking for? Satisfying place. Didn't end in in the most satisfying place yet. But she does seem to have a pattern emerging of developing a story that becomes topical. Afterland, of course, featured a global pandemic and was written a number of years before, but released during the COVID-19 pandemic. And of course, this novel, which I will get more into what it's about in general, but it is a multiversal story, which of course has become very popular in the last couple of years with of course Academy Award winning Everything Everywhere All at Once uh, and Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse and even like the MCU, what that's doing with the multiverse at the moment. And of course with Doctor Strange, the multiverse of madness being the most successful entry out of that. Um, experiment, but regardless, it's something that is very of the time now. And of course, she developed her novels for years before they actually come out. So it was one of those, again, she's spoken about it in some interviews where she's like, I was writing Afterlife, <laughs> then it was about to come out, and then the pandemic hit. I was mm-hmm. writing, <laughs> I was writing Bridge, and then consecutively big, huge films came out that centered around the multiverse. But to give you the official synopsis, of, of the novel, straight from the, the dust jacket itself. <laughs> Bridge has just lost her maverick scientist mother to cancer. But really, she lost her years ago 
Joe's wild obsession costs her everything, including her relationship with her daughter. Now Bridge is picking through the remains of Joe's life and career, which is when she finds a secret. Is it a drug? A gateway to other worlds or other lives? Joe believed so. Bridge is desperate to see her mother again, will do anything, risk anything, including searching for her through these other lives. But Joe's secret isn't hers alone. Some want to possess it for themselves, while others seek to destroy anyone who knows the truth. Bridge, she just wants to find her mom. I love this novel. I thought it was such an upgrade from, from the last novel, and I think almost a re return to form for me for, for some of her early work. I thought it, again, maybe dragged a little in the first the first sort of act, so to speak, but a little bit slow. Picked up in the second half in a major way and became really hard to put down. Um, <clears throat> Beerkus's version of of alternate universes doesn't necessarily go as weird as, say, something like Everything Everywhere All at Once or Spider Verse. It's very grounded, and there's a whole section in the book that really emphasizes the sort of mundane nature of it, which was really interesting. And the story felt really complete to me. It, 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 I won't go into details of it because Alex is really still reading it. Currently. Yeah, it was the first bit. Um, yeah. And the book's only recently sort of come out. So I think that there may be a lot of people who haven't read it and I would highly recommend people do. Um, but I will say the story felt very complete. It is missing the sort of leak ending of her early work. I think there's something that I remember my sisters pointed this out to me as to why she didn't particularly like some of Birkus's early stuff is that those early novels really ended in a way that like no one has any kind of happy ending. Like oh, basically it's, it's, it's a lot of, and, and everybody died in the end kind of novels in her yeah. early work, um, which I love. I love a bleak ending. I love, I love an ending that destroys me. Um, I find that satisfying as an ending. My sister finds it very unsatisfying. So, you know, reading and literature and experience of media is very subjective, but I, this ending is not that. It's not that, but it is very good. Um, there are losses, of course, there are. Wouldn't be a beautiful what, what we're dealing with, yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's so action, it, again, as I say, it, it starts off a bit slower, but it becomes so action-packed and so enthralling and, and so draws you in. And I think what sort of sets Birkus apart from a lot of other writers is she really always deeply researches her science in the science fiction that she's doing. She does a lot of research. She speaks to a lot of experts. She really goes in-depth. Um, for this one in particular, she spoke to multiple neuroscientists and parasite scientists and musicians and did a lot of like a, a big sort of psychological component to this, which is just really fascinating. And beyond all that, and why I've sort of brought it to the girls' gays and days is there's a fantastic and prominent non-binary character called Dom, who's really interest is a really interesting foil to to Bridge, our lead character, in the way that they don't they don't necessarily want to explore their other selves. They don't want to explore the multiverse. They've sort of fought for the life they have and, and the person they've become. And though it's not perfect, it's theirs and feels earned. And it's this really interesting thing of Bridge will do anything to 
experience as many different versions as possible. And all the other people who've sort of come come across this ability to travel to your switch consciousnesses with your other selves have really gotten obsessed with finding out their potential, um, mm. ways they could have lived out their potential in other lives. And mm. um, for someone like Dom, it, it's it's not tantalizing, it's terrifying. And I think that's a really interesting juxtaposition. And it's, it's always a really interesting thing when you have two of your sort of main characters who, who deeply love each other and connect with each other, but also have different values and very different views on the situations, being able to butt heads in really interesting and, and productive ways. Like it's not, yeah. I, 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 really interesting. I love the story. It is, it's also like an exploration of grief and loss. And again, that sort of idea of wasted potential and, it may it may feel like close to home at at current points for for someone in their in their thirties looking on your life going is this is this it is this is this what it's it's all for is this what it's it's gonna be forever okay shit a little bit <laughs> um, so it's that it, it touches on that and it, it, it but it's also weird and it's also dark and it's also um, spectacular it's it's it is a fantastic novel and i really very much enjoyed reading it and i, That's I, what I, love I about highly recommend it to anyone i um you would highly recommend it that i i think it's really interesting and i it's one of the things i love about her like just how fucked up her brain is and how she like yes thinks of things and she makes me like smell things and feel like i can feel textures mm. Good at style it. of writing. Oh. Yeah, so good. Some people go into the details, like into their world world building, and you kind of die of boredom. But like, I mean, even if I think of the last book where she was describing the neon nuns, it wasn't my favorite book, but I remember those nuns. Yes, yeah. I yeah. knew them. Um, and like, I just I find it so interesting, sort of where she goes and how she does it, and. Um, what definitely caught my interest was when you said the non-binary person was reading the same author as me. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it is so a moment where Alex was like, I'm reading this book at the moment. And I'm like, that is so funny. <laughs> <laughs> um, the book got too scary. Um, I have to talk about it. It was actually a little bit scary. Um, but good. So good. But yeah, I have to <laughs> lights on and why I picked autumn to read it, I'll never know. Um but, <laughs> yeah, but I'm so excited to read it. Um and anybody who hasn't gotten into Lauren Bucus, I would highly recommend it. I think for me, everybody has their favorite, I think, Broken Monsters. Um was was a real That's all sort of squarely in the in the middle of mine, but yeah. I, I love that book. I love Shining Girls. I didn't love, I wasn't in love with the show as much as I was with the book. Everyone's different. I think it was because it was, she was a different animal. She was a different animal, that Shining Girls TV show. Um, yeah. But I, I, think I it was literally, vastly preferred, vastly preferred the book. Um, yeah. They took some swings and they did some, some multiversal stuff of their own with, they did. with That's the TV really show, yeah. which, yeah. She's spoken about again at interviews. She was like, she had to stop what she like. They were sending her scripts, and she was still writing Bridge at the time. 
And she sort of had to be like, I can't read these scripts because you're doing multiverse stuff. And I don't want that to impact what I'm currently yeah, writing. Yeah, so yeah. she sort of consumed the show after she'd finished writing the book, basically. And um, she really enjoyed She really enjoyed it. She'd sort of sort of the rare author that's just like, yeah, change whatever the fuck you want, like make it your own. Um, I could not, I, I could never be that author. If someone's adapting my work, I'm like, Girl, I will be adapting my own work. Thank you very much. Yeah, you you can't not do that. I love you so much, but you have do an that. aneurysm. You would not. Yeah. You can't even, like, if you were going to put recipes up and somebody sent you a message like, what if I change this? You would find their address, go to the house. And make another recipe, yeah. yeah. Make, go somewhere else. <laughs> This recipe is not for you. Yeah, <laughs> you could never. You would no. never. And I love yeah. that about you. Very specific. <laughs> uh, the Virgo she would not allow. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, anybody who hasn't read it before, go read it. Um, and I think it's also very interesting that in terms of sort of the the queer aspect that she is incorporating a lot more queer characters into her more recent works. Um, I don't have any comment on that. Just to say that, like. I am noticing more queer characters in her works than there necessarily were in earlier in earlier works. I still love the earlier works, but one of the scenes that sticks out in my head is in Afterland, where the she, you know they're in the bathroom and the one woman turns to the protagonist and goes, "Do you even enjoy eating pussy? Because I don't." I was like, Lauren, <laughs> it's just so unnecessary. How <laughs> like, like it's like, it's like, it's like, oh, like, sorry. On that but, note, <laughs> we are out of time. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. If you want to give us a follow on socials, we are at Girls Gays Days underscore pod on Instagram and TikTok. And video versions of this podcast are available on YouTube. Mm-hmm. And join us again next time for another set of queer culture. So- Cheers. Cheers.